Hey everybody, Tyree here with Before I Forget, and I want to tell you guys about Infinity Artist Agency, IAA. It's a full-service talent agency that delivers representation across all artistic spectrums in the entertainment industry. If you're an aspiring artist and you're trying to get into the entertainment business, hit these guys up at infinityartistagency.com. At the bottom of the page, you can submit your personal information and they'll get back to you. All you got to do is fill it out and it could change your life forever. Thanks, and let's get back to the show. Everybody, Tyree here with Before I Forget, along with my boy Kevin. Say hi, Kevin. Howdy. Hey, hey. And uh, we're going to get him right into today's show. Kevin, introduce our guest, please. Yeah, so today we have a, a friend of mine that I've known for several years. Um, internet known, really. Uh, never actually met in real life. That's kind of interesting. It's probably, I mean, probably, what, seven, eight years? I don't remember now. But um, anyway, uh, this is uh, Rachel. She has her own podcast as well. We're going to talk about that. She's also a uh, board-certified behavioral analyst. And we're going to talk about all kinds of cool, brainy shit. And she uses a lot of big words. So keep up. <clears throat> Rachel, say hi. <laughs> hi. Hi. Hey, that hey. was all you said to say, so. Oh, okay. Well, tell us more. So, like, okay. So, what? Are, okay. I was telling Tyree, like, I know you're, you're from California. You live in Alabama. Yes. Um, like, but like, I don't remember. Did you get your, your bachelor's degree in, in California? I don't remember. Tell us details. Just yeah. So I. Um, Tell us your credentials. My credentials. I have a master of science in applied behavior analysis. I have uh, my under. Oh, it's behind me. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what my undergrad is in. It's a BA in just psychology. Um, I did finish my undergrad at Cal State Channel Islands, and then I moved out to Alabama for grad school at Auburn University, War Gross. Eagle. Listen, listen. <laughs> the only ties I have are that I went to grad school there, and I don't. Sorry, yeah. everybody. I don't watch college football anymore. Yeah, as a Southerner in the SEC, fuck Auburn. <clears throat> Jesus, you okay. just yeah. alienated no, wow. 25 no, of our listeners. <laughs> No, we episode like, over. Like four, and they're all inbred anyway, so it's okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. To be fair, living in Alabama and trying to date in Alabama, you're not wrong. Um. <laughs> yeah, so I bet you that was like a huge culture shock, right? Like going from California to Alabama, like that's two different. Yeah, places. very different, wildly different. Um, I do like the slower pace of life, but right now I kind of live where the hills have eyes. So. Oh, um, <laughs> It's fine. Um, oh, well, I live near Fort McClellan. Yeah. Uh, who cares? Okay, great. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, so you have a podcast, you and your friend, um, who is not here with us. Uh, she had some yes. things come up, but, uh, yes. what, uh, what's your show called? And let's, let's talk about that a little bit. eh? Yeah. My show is called behavior and bullshit. So watch, I watch, watch your language. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's behavior and BS. For the young listeners. Um, so Lauren kids. and I are both board certified behavior analysts. We work in the field of applied behavior analysis and we love talking about behavior. Um, and we relate it back to all these different ways that humans behave because we do some really weird shit. Um, she won't watch 90 Day Fiance, but I, I love watching trash TV because I love watching um, what people do. And I love trying to figure out why people do what they do. Um, so that's a big part of my job is determining what is maintaining certain behaviors, whether that's like severe aggression or self-injury um, for kids who are diagnosed as on the autism spectrum. Um, but we all behave. We're an organism that is... Um, prone to being reinforced or punished based on the things that we do. And if we're reinforced for something, we're more likely to do it again. If we're punished for something, we're less likely to do it again. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we all do it. So I have a very limited knowledge on anything at all because I'm not smart and educated, but 
everything you just kind of said though kind of it kind of in my mind like the very first thing that popped up was like nature versus nurture mm-hmm. right so like does that do you think like from from your perspective like does that does that like play a huge role in that yeah absolutely and that's part of my job too is to analyze not just this behavior in this moment but all of the variables surrounding it um whether that's internal variables somebody's feelings or thoughts um external variables that could be parents that could be the house that they live in that could be the city that they live in the school that they're in um that could be me i am a variable that is changing in their environment when i come in um And then also, like, what kind of diagnosis are we working with? Am I working with somebody who only is diagnosed with autism? Or are there other things to consider? Are there medical considerations? Um, So working closely with doctors and speech language pathologists, um, just to kind of get the whole picture. It's not, behavior doesn't, it's not just that moment. It's all of these things combined. Yeah. that's interesting though so like because i kind of had this like a thought in my mind like just now um because like so you 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 deal with like when like you know you you primarily work with with children right Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, so you got you got these like you 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 come in you meet these children and you're there to kind of analyze uh the behavior and determine whether or not it's this or that or whatever right yes and then potentially find ways to assist them in breaking those behaviors if they're bad behaviors or create new behaviors or whatever, right? Right. Teaching what I what I tell people that I do is I help teach meaningful life skills, whatever is meaningful to that child, wherever they're at, child, adult, adolescent, and that family too, because I am working with their parents. So I right. And so that's kind of what I was going to get at. Like, how often is it a thing where? like you're you're in the situation and you're and you're kind of like you're working with this child and come to find out the bulk of their bad behavior is because of their environment and like and then like once you determine that like how do you how do you go about like you know breaking that to them and being like hey so uh your kids gently you're fucked up (laughs) yeah very gently yeah (laughs) and i don't use those words Um, because yeah, the environment has a lot to do with it. I've got a, I had a client that, um, you know, started off with a pretty minimal vocabulary. We worked on some skills and how he communicated was through major meltdowns and tantrums and aggression and all of Mm -hmm. these things. As we learned some skills, those other behaviors kind of diminished again, he was still little. So tantrums are never going to be zero. Like I'm an adult and I threw a big fit last Friday not in front of anybody, but I (laughs) will still do it. Um, But as his vocabulary has grown, so has his curse word vocabulary. And like, sure on my podcast, all filth, but like I can turn that off in front of children. So I'm like, I was trying to help him get into his car seat and he didn't want to do it. And I'm like, buddy, you don't have an option here. You are not big enough to sit anywhere else. And I'm like, why do you think I'm having you sit in this car seat because you're a shit and i'm like (laughs) noted but (laughs) they say the darnest fucked up things i love oh my god it's and and, 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 and just to clarify you're not allowed to punch him in the face no uh, not even a quick jab quick little like yeah like 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 in the throat maybe Oh, that's how that's God. how fucking Caesar trains dogs, right? Oh if a dog God. snips at me, he jabs them in the fucking throat. Jesus Christ! My mom, slapped, my mom slapped me upside the head, so that's it's the same thing. It's, or the uh, I turned out fine. Yeah, everything worked out great, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So I got spanked like two whole times, and it was for something. As an adult, <laughs> that's different. Um, okay, as a child. <laughs> So what made you get into this particular business? It's not something that anyone, uh, everyone every day would think about hopping into. No. So I took a break between getting my associate's degree. I worked in, um, I worked with exotic animals for a while, was a dog trainer for a while, um, and understood like the principles of behavior, like reinforcement and punishment. And Kevin, i I would venture to guess that you know a bit more about reinforcement and punishment than you would let on being in the position that you're in. Um, Went back to school, finished my undergrad, had a professor talk about 
um, behavior analysis as a way to help children learn skills, um, help autistic children learn skills. And I was like, holy shit, I feel like I could do this. Got into the field as like a a day-to-day behavior technician, thought that it's where I would stay. And then I was like, no, I want to know more. And so then decided to go to grad school. And now here I am getting called a shit by (laughs) (laughs) five-year-olds. And getting roasted in so many other ways too. Like kids will find your weakness and exploit it. So you gotta be prepared. Mm-hmm. All that, all that work and schooling and effort and 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 training and essay writing and late nights, all just oh, to be sure. fucking roasted by children. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like today, I was doing an assessment with one of my clients, and he wanted to watch Frozen too. I was like, "Cool, let's do it." And. uh I kind of knew some of the songs, right? Like I work with kids. I know a little bit about Disney music. <laughs> he's running around and I start to sing and he's like this. He puts his hands over his ears and I'm like, wow, okay. Thanks. No yeah. justice was done for, uh, <laughs> what's her name? What did, what, what, what was her name in that? Elsa? Elsa? No, Anna? no, the actual singer. And Dina oh, Mandel? Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. She's- I'm not her. She's spinning in her closet right now. Jeez, good lord! I was like, "Thanks, Simon Cowell." Fuck. Right. I don't. I don't have kids, but my understanding is that they have no filter and they're brutally None. honest because they don't yeah. understand the repercussions of being brutally honest. Yeah. Do you remember was, the last time you were brutally honest and it was just fucking easy and normal? I, w- I wish uh, I could be like that again. I have so many responsibilities now. Like what? The I mean, I know being an yeah. adult is hard because you can't like there, there are rules that we have to follow to try and be professional. Mm-hmm. I wanted to rip several people a new one in the last couple of weeks, but I don't because I follow the rules. Yeah. I was going to say like as a drill, like I can be brutally honest with my trainees, but sure. I feel like that should, that's expected. Yeah. You know I mean, <clears throat> yeah. I, okay. So you're a drill instructor. You Sorry. are Sorry. That's fine. <laughs> oh man. Listen, have I problems. I have I have a whole new language to learn. Yeah, I um, get you. <laughs> but uh you are responsible for behavior change. Yeah, so and, and you said that um just a second ago like that I probably know more about it than I let on and maybe mm-hmm. maybe true but like uh in practice without actually knowing like uh exactly like sure. terminology and like and like what what i am doing you know what i mean yeah and and i can relate to that too like there's everything that i learned in the textbooks in grad school and then kind of how i applied it um was not necessarily by the book because i take a more compassionate approach i take a kind of like whole child approach um i want to know what's valuable to the family um yeah, I have to do these assessments for insurance and I'll do them. But if a kid can't tie his shoes and, uh, but he also can't communicate what he wants, I'm not putting tying shoes in his plan. That's not important to that kid right now. He puts on Crocs. Cool. Love it. I love that for you. Let's get you to ask for what you want and need. That's valuable. Um, But now as I'm like, further and further away from grad school and learning more and more, I'm like, oh, there's words and like research backing what I do and how I approach um, my job in my field. Um, So kind of the same thing. I'm sure if I explained some of these principles, you'd be like, oh yeah, I do that every fucking day. Um, So as I've learned more and grown more as a clinician and as a, as a behavior analyst, I'm like, oh shit, I'm already doing this. Right. Why aren't more people doing it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was kind of thinking, like, I mean, some of, some of the things that you would have learned in school, like, or, or or in actual practice, and and you're like, oh, dang. So I've been doing this to myself for a long time, and it actually has a name, and here's yeah. what it is. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I, was, yeah, I think it's kind of cool. So like, off, kind of similar to that, but like not really. So, you know, like, um. Like we, we talk a lot about like PTSD and PTSD and stuff on the show, but mm-hmm. like, uh, so I knew that I had something going on in my brain case and, and then I read this book. I didn't know what it was though. I, was, I mean, it was just like, well, 
these are just things like they're normal. And then I read this book like uh, on combat by uh, Dave Grossman. He's a retired lieutenant colonel. And I was reading through this book and it talks about like all these things. So it's the psychological and physiological effects of a high stress situation before, during and after it happens. And that pretty much is everything about our deployment and military life yeah. in general. And, you know, yeah. when Tyree was a cop. Um, yeah. And so reading this book, I'm like, huh, slow motion is a thing. And it, re- it reminded me back to this one story or this one situation where I was fucking doing a thing. And, and, and I, I swear to God, like I had, I had my sights set on this guy, like center mass on his chest, pulled the trigger. I mean, I did the whole thing, took my time with it, pulled the trigger, slow, slow trigger squeeze. And I remember watching the bullet come out of the gun and travel down range and go over his right shoulder and impact the wall behind him. And I know damn well, I didn't actually see the bullet. Right. Cause it does, it's traveling way too fast. But in my mind, everything was so slow. That's just what it felt like. Well, that's a thing, right? That's a, that's an actual thing that your brain mm-hmm. does in those situations. And it's really neat. Um, but that's kind of like, it's, it's to me, that's kind of how I relate to that. Like I knew these things happened, but I didn't know that they were things. Sorry. My dogs are loud. Um, but it, exactly. And, and as I'm learning more, you know, there's there's two field there's two schools of thought. Um, Bears beats Battlestar Galactica, uh, <laughs> but there's there's the school of thought that only what's observable is behavior, and there's the school of thought that I'm in that no 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 what's going on in here what's going on in your head those feelings that you're feeling um, the thoughts that you're having that is behavior too just because somebody else can't see it and can't verify that that it's happening doesn't make it any less valid so those things that you're experiencing um that that slow motion effect that visualization of it that's behavior that's our brains working if neurons are firing and we are a living breathing being that's behavior and that has to be taken into consideration and i i you know that's part of what we want to share with behavior and bullshit. Yes, we want to talk bullshit, but we want to share this kind of radical view of behaviorism that thoughts and feelings and emotions need to be considered. Um, We come from this lens of trauma-informed care. So understanding that like, okay, I don't maybe need to know an entire history. I don't need to know what kind of trauma that you've been through to necessarily come and approach a situation as a compassionate person and understand that you have been through shit that I don't know. And that leads me to be a compassionate human being coming into someone's home, you know, say they they're just getting an autism diagnosis for their child. They've probably had a rough go of things. They've probably seen a variety of different doctors, especially here in the South where like, it's less common. I come into contact with a lot of parents that are like my pediatrician didn't want to diagnose because they don't look like they have autism. And I'm like, autism doesn't look like anything. So that is, you know, trauma is how you experience those things, not necessarily that particular event. And so this, this weight that people are carrying, I have to consider that. And I have to, to put that care and consideration into a plan that I'm writing um, and not try and overwhelm the child the family um, because it, it's so important and it, it's not hard. It's really not hard. And it doesn't hurt anyone to have this assumption that people are carrying the weight of shit that you don't know. And they don't need to tell you just be it. Don't be a dick. Yeah. I was going to say that. Like, that was your, your, yeah, that's the problem is people, you know, they're always being addicted because people just mm-hmm. assume like, Hey, this person is, have a, they have an attitude. It's towards me. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's always, uh, we have to take ourselves out of the equation and say, Hey, just mm-hmm. like you said, like everyone's going through their own thing. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily about you and right. everyone, everyone has it. It's not just that person's special thing. You have one too. You just yeah. don't realize the way you deal with it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there, there are people that will put criteria on what trauma is, um, you know, and say only those that have been in combat or been in war have experienced trauma. And I'm like, that's not the case. You know, thinking back to some shit that I went through in January and the fact that I still have like these flashbacks of things that happened, I'm like, fuck, 
I have some PTSD from that. So I, I explain to people like this, I'm like, so your, your brain doesn't uh, process trauma any differently, um, regardless of where it comes from, right? So like if I wake up in the middle of the night and I get out of bed and I stub my toe, right, that's that's potentially traumatic to to me. And I'm going to be uh, more cautious, more aware of that. I might have nightmares about it. I might be like, you know, whatever, wear shoes to bed. And that's a form of PTSD, sure. right? So like, and then I go to combat and I have to kill people and see people being killed and blood and guts and brains and shit. And so you get PTSD from that too. And so you have dreams from that. You have fucking, you know, whatever you sleep with a gun, so on and so on. So like your, your brain doesn't necessarily understand the difference between the two, right? It doesn't matter if it's a car accident, a near drowning accident. Um, you got fucking punched in the face in, in the face at, an, at a nightclub or you went to combat. Yeah. Right. Like your, your brain still understands trauma is trauma. That's my understanding of it anyway. And yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, and to, to, to what, your point earlier, Tyree, like that is kind of a thing, right? So like, like you, like Rachel, like you said, like don't be a dick. And then, like Tyree, you were saying, like you're every you have to take yourself, you take yourself out of the equation. Um, and that's man, I I fucking forget to do that all the goddamn time, because uh, and I think it's it's uh, I, I look I I, I I think back to this meme that I saw, that was like, um, you know, if if you've texted me and I don't respond, but you see me posting memes online, that doesn't mean that I'm ignoring you. That just means that like you're not necessarily entitled to my free time and I'll get to you when I get to you because this is my personal life oh. and maybe I need this downtime. Yeah. So like and, and I'm guilty of this because um I I sometimes forget or I often forget uh that um this this is the this in my realm right here, my little bubble, this is my life. And I can control this, but like what's going on over there, nothing yeah. to do with me. And right. I need to be aware of that. And so, yeah. yeah, so Tyree, like you're exactly right, man. Like you got to pull yourself out of those situations and, and look at it. Um, what is it? Objectively? Yes. Yeah. That's the issue right. though, is, exactly. is, is the way we are though. Like, uh, yeah. you, a lot of people just can't accept like, Hey, that, that mean look or that, well, for example, all right. So me and my wife, <laughs> we we've been married for 14 years. And uh, I can tell when. That's like half my life, and now I feel young. <laughs> God damn! <laughs> wow. Sorry, sorry. Children. Anyway, right, carry anyway. on. Uh, Fourteen years, and and I know, like, I can look at her and say, and and I know in my head, like, this is not a good time to interact with this person right now. It has nothing to do with me because she's a marriage and uh, family therapist, and uh, she does the exact same kind of thing that you do sometimes with kids. And I'm like, uh after her bad day at work it's nothing to do with me man just hang out to the side i can support the best way i can but it's not me and i she had to kind of learn that also when i was with the police it's like i'm gonna come home pissed off and it has nothing to do with you it's just how do you turn that off though you you mentioned the word acceptance and my eyes lit up because um one of the things that i've been yeah, no, 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 no. I, I was, I was telling about it earlier, and I couldn't remember yeah. the fucking term because uh, you, use, I'm saying, you use a ton of big words. And I almost told you last night, I was like, "Can you tomorrow maybe like dumb it down for for us?" <laughs> Acceptance is not a big word. Okay, but ex- experiential is experiential. That's what we'll I said. get there. We'll get there. Okay, so, um, I came to this point in my life. Very late last year, I'm coming up on a year of like some real rough times and some shit that went down that made me stop in my tracks and realize I don't fucking need whatever that was in my life. Um, And I ended up leaving a job and, and taking another one. But in that interim, I started learning about acceptance and commitment therapy, which is... Um, it was developed by behavior analysts. So people who like me know that we are humans and we behave, but our thoughts and our feelings are very important and then they influence how we behave. So if I'm having a bad day, if you come home from a long day, um, as a cop and you've just had a shit ass day, that's going to influence your outward behavior because those, you are caught up in those feelings and like, like it or not, it's going to influence how you behave outwardly to other people. Um, But what acceptance and commitment therapy does, and because I'm not a licensed marriage and family therapist, again, I will 
I don't know if I said it, but I'm not going, I'm not giving any like clinical advice. This is just my experience and what I've learned and what I like to share with people because I think mm-hmm. it's, it's so powerful and it's, it's relatively, uh, some, some of the things are complex, but it's, it's relatively easy to implement in your own life. Um, but what I learned about acceptance and commitment therapy is that there are hard things that happen. And the acceptance piece isn't necessarily just saying, okay, I accept this. This is fine. Like that dog sitting, drinking coffee and everything's on fire. That's not it. It's a willingness to accept that the hard stuff is going to happen. That pain and suffering are part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. There's no way to avoid it, but it's how we respond to it that matters. Um, And so talking about experiential avoidance, like if we've got these thoughts and feelings, these bad situations that happen, a lot of us really easily will do anything else to avoid dealing with it. We will, some people will binge drink. Some people will, when I was in the kind of the depths of like this unsure of what the fuck I was doing I'd come home and play Animal Crossing and just like zone out that was my thing shut the world out wait for my old work phone to go buzzing to go solve some crisis Um, but that was my way of coping quote unquote coping Um, I was avoiding all of these feelings and then repressing it and physically or psychologically, if we repress shit, it's going to come back with a vengeance because it will not be ignored. Um, so acceptance and commitment therapy is all about that willingness to feel and accept that these things happen. But at the core of it, it's about behaving in alignment with what you value. So these are the things that I go and teach the kids that I work with on a level that they understand. Um, I I work with their parents too. And we start like the day one of our initial assessment, what's valuable to you and your family? What can I do to help you to increase your quality of life right now? Because you're coming to me because there is some sort of suffering going on. How do I help you and help this family behave in alignment with your values? What can I teach? Um, And that was really big for me. When I started learning about it, I'm like, I'm doing this to myself first. And that changed my life entirely. Wow. Um, Yeah. Uh, I I, I had a thought and I completely just fucking lost it. Um, (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that was good. Um, Fuck, what was it? Well, I'm going to ask, have you ever come across something that was just like, you are completely stopped? I have no clue on how to help this person out. How often does that happen? Or does it happen at all? Or, or, you know, how does that work? (sighs) Yes and no. So in my old job, yes. I got thrown into a job after grad school because I had a, like a contract. They paid for part of my tuition. Um, I was working at a residential treatment facility for kids and adults with pretty severe disabilities um, to the point where like their parent, their families couldn't take care of them. And they, there were some, there were some students that we had that had some pretty severe behavior that I had never seen before. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Um, And what was hard was like, if I tried to suggest something like, Hey, what we're doing is not working. Can we change it? I would kind of get shit on. And I'm just like, All right, cool. And then we were taking in um, kids from the Alabama foster system. So talk about trauma. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hey, so maybe, (laughs) maybe we should like be considerate of the fact that they've seen some shit. But some of the people that I worked with were in that camp that like thoughts and feelings don't matter. And you know, oh, seeing these kids through a trauma-informed in, lens just, like, wasn't important to them. Um, and so when everybody else got punched in the face, I was like, yeah, you fucking deserved that. But I'm going to treat these kids with compassion, and I never got hit. So, um, so is it this, like, idea, is it, like, this idea that, like, 
it doesn't matter what they've experienced. Behavior is behavior, and the science is the science. I mean, I guess, but the behavior comes from this learning history. It comes from the things that we've been reinforced and punished by throughout our lives. Um, Mm -hmm. And that comes from our environment, what we've seen modeled for us. So, you know, I worked with some older teens who, you know, came from really rough backgrounds, um, had this severe aggression uh, modeled for them by people in their environment. But then that was also how they survived. You know, it's, it's this survival mode. Um, and here we are like trying to teach them some dumb shit. I'm just like, we haven't addressed the core issue here. Um, and part of that too, you know, one of the things that I believe is like, my field is not the fix for everything. My field, we, we need to work in collaboration with other people because it's egotistical to think that I can go in and solve any problem because I can't. Um, yeah. What do so, you do? Yeah, they're, they're, oh. Go well, ahead, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? No, no, you're good. I'm sorry I cut you off. My bad. Um, there, there are problems that I can't solve. And one of, the, one of the problems that I come across kind of often is when, you know, I'm, I'm working my butt off to, to help a child learn some functional skills um, whether that's communication or like daily living skills, I'm I'm getting them to self-advocate and say, hey, I don't want to do this right now. Or like, can I do it later? Because those are valid questions, right? Like, but here the mentality is the, the kind of Cooper has things to say. Uh, the parenting mentality is I'm the parent. You have to do what I say when I say it. There's no flexibility. There's no wiggle room. Um, or I'm, I'm teaching a kid to ask for help or to ask for like a break because this is a really hard task. The problem that I come into contact with, and I don't know how necessarily how to fix without being a dick, um, is when parents don't want to then reinforce that behavior that I've taught. Like we're, we're teaching your kid to ask for help and you're just saying no. Yeah. Now yeah. you're punishing it. <laughs> like they're not going to come to you for anything. Yeah, right. Don't I be was, a dick. How often do you come across parents who just are sticks in the mud? They just don't want to cooperate with the program, the, the, the deal that you got going on. I know, like I said, my wife does kind of the same thing. And every now and then she's like, these people are not going along with the program. And, and they, they're yeah. wondering why it's not it working. So yeah. Yeah. It makes it really hard uh, more often than I'd like, you know, but again, I have to, I have to take myself out of the equation mm-hmm. and understand that it's not personal, personal yeah. and know that we all have different motivating factors. And for a parent, that's like, even if I'm coming in or my, uh, my technician is coming in and teaching these skills on a day-to-day basis for the parent, the easiest thing to do might be just to hand a kid an iPad and say, I need a fucking second. Mm -hmm. So who, I also don't have children. So who am I to judge? You know, I can guide, I can help. I can sit here and I can talk um, and talk about how important it is to be consistent because we want that lasting behavior change. We need to have consistency, but you know, it's, that's one of those things that I'm still working on is like, how to get that buy-in um i got some parents that are just fucking phenomenal and ask me good questions and do everything that i ask and and that is so rewarding um because then we really see the growth and the progress um but yeah it's a challenge well how much of it you think um when you create these plans and everything how much of it is kind of like trial and error like because like the one thing that works on this kid may not work on that kid um, oh, all so of like, it. right. And so then the parents are like, well, we, we, you, you have implemented this one plan or these five plans and nothing is working. So you clearly don't know your job, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. like, you, you need to understand that like behavior is modified mm-hmm. through a number of ways. And yeah. what works for this one may not work for this one. Like fuck, I see why this kid's tripping out because the parents a piece of shit and can't can't even <laughs> can't even feel the program. It's like, why are you bugging the program? Like now I get it. <laughs> I mean, you know, and 
that's part of, once again, I have to remove myself from the equation and not take it personally. Um, every time I do like an initial assessment, I insurance doesn't allow me to spend a whole lot of time on this assessment. So I'm going to throw some goals in there. They might not work, but I have to check my ego and be like, oh, okay, this wasn't working. This way that I'm teaching isn't working. This goal sucks. So I'm going to rewrite it. It's a living document that I update all the time. And that's part of my process. My dogs are just a lot right now. Charles. <laughs> You're fine. Um, so I kind of see the same thing. So like, I feel like, um, so like human behavior, right. I feel mm-hmm. like is a lot like how the a body works in general. So like I do fitness things and I've, I've helped people or trained people. I'm not certified yet cause I suck and it's taking forever. But anyway, that's the whole thing. Um, but like <clears throat> what, what may help this one person grow their pectorals, right? Their chest may not be the best exercise for somebody else. And so like, as a person who's coaching somebody through these things, like, um, I, so I don't see it as, as much of like, uh, as, as checking the ego, but that's probably because, um, you I mean, you understand, right? Like, oh, well, it doesn't work the same for everyone. And genetics yeah. plays a huge role. And then like what your diet likes, so there's all these other factors. But, um, so I, I kind of, I kind of compare the, 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 the two things, um, I mean, this is kind of how I'm relating it to myself anyway, but like, there's all these like additional factors that play into it that yeah. like, and so it's yes. not really, I wouldn't even say it's really in, like in your case, even an ego check, because like you're aware that plan a may not be the best plan, but we're going to try it because I feel like based on my professional expertise, this is what should work. Yeah. Oh dang. There's this other underlying thing and here's plan B. Yeah. And I always tell parents that like, if I, if we're just starting off, I'm like, all right, I put these goals in here, but they're subject to change. If you hate it, tell me if I hate it, I'm going to change it. And I'm going to tell you, Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, because again, for me, it all circles back to what's valuable. And if I've identified this goal, we start getting to work and I see things aren't working, then, Hey, that's not valuable right now. We're going to shift gears and we're going to, we're going to recenter and we're going to focus on something else. That's more important. So what, why did you choose to work with kids? Like, I mean, so do, uh, behavioral analysts, they also work with adults too, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I wish there are behavior analysts that work in other fields besides developmental disabilities. Um, I've just always kind of been relatively good with kids. Um, I've been a camp counselor for a bajillion years. Um, I, I thought I wanted to be a teacher at some point. I have, I have also have a zoo here. Please leave. I'm um, being attacked by your cat. <laughs> he's knocked me out of meetings sometimes and I'm just like, please go away. Um, but yeah, I, I'm wearing like leggings right now because every time I go to a session, Jesus, Every time I go to a session, I'm sitting on the floor and I'm playing with kids because like that's valuable to me and that helps me connect with them. Um, So I don't know. What do you do to decompress from these, uh, all this stuff? This is a lot to deal with for one person. Yeah. That's where acceptance and commitment therapy comes in. I have made that part of my daily practice um, because it can get challenging, um, especially in those situations where I don't have the control. Um, I think Kevin, you talked about like, I have control over these things, everything outside of me, I don't have control over. Um, and that's where some of like my tantrums come in is when like, I feel like I'm spiraling out of control. Um, you know, I have clients cancel. I have, um, my therapist cancel. I, my schedule gets all thrown out of whack. Um, I wasn't on my meds last week and that was really a struggle for me to, to try and keep it together. Um, but I always come back to, um, come back to my values and I practice these, um, these tactics, I guess, from acceptance and commitment therapy. And one of those is this cognitive diffusion. So I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting upset because shit's not going the way that I planned it. I'm mega pissed. Um, I notice that I'm feeling mega pissed, but I also know that shitty days are going to happen. I'm going to let go of that shitty feeling and I'm going to 
do something else essentially. Um, and that's kind of what I did on Friday. I was working on something for a client and it was just this domino effect thing after thing after thing. And finally I was like, I'm going to explode and I'm going to throw something. Um, one of the things that I value is providing high quality services to my clients. And I'm like, if my head is here, I can't do that. Mm. So I'm shutting it down for today. I'm going to take a break. I need, if I'm going to behave in alignment with my value of quality services, I know I can't do that in the headspace I'm in right now. So I got to stop. Um, and in that moment too, I was like, I need to let my supervisors know that I need some help here because I'm struggling. Um, so unhooking from those feelings of like spiraling out of control like I'm a piece of shit because I can't get it together like I'm unproductive and people are going to come down on me my worth as a human has nothing to do with what I produce in society a quantitative measure of what I produce in society I am whole and a valuable human point blank period that's all so all these things in my head that I'm telling myself, you're unproductive, you're lazy, you are not going to hit your billable hours and people are going to look down on you. That's just verbal bullshit in my head. So I got to let that go. I'm going to ask for help, tell people that I'm struggling, and I'm going to let that shit go for the day so I can come back on Monday and be refreshed. Hmm. A lot of people can't let that go and it's it's so sad. Like, uh, Man, yeah. that that like you said, that's all bullshit. That you know, I have nothing to do with that. But you know, yeah. here I am, and I still have to deal with it. So yeah. keep trucking. It's it's really hard. That that piece is really hard for a lot of people. Um, you know, again, it's not just accepting this is fine, everything's on fire, and this is fine. No, it's not fine. But it's okay for things not to be fine. It's okay to have big feelings about things. Pain is part of the human experience. We can't avoid all pain and all discomfort. It's how you respond to it that matters. Mm-hmm. Res- responding to think... self doubt and things like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can yeah. be your worst, I... uh, your worst critic. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I definitely am. I could probably uh, stand to practice that shit every fucking day because I think um, it's it's um, a, a bigger ego check to to sit there and say I am struggling. I need help. I need to reach out to somebody that I know that I trust. Um, And because I, I, I've been in that situation. Um, I mean, I've talked about like my suicidal thoughts and ideation in the past. And that's more or less what, what kind of got me into these holes. And I mean, the first time I did reach out to someone for help and that person fucking just closed the door on me immediately. (sighs) Um, And so the second time, I didn't bother reaching out and that yeah. may be a learned behavior thing. Like, well, the, the last time I did it. Yeah. Yeah. The last time I did it, I got the fucking door shut in my face. So fuck it. Like, I'm just kind of like sit here and, and spiral further and further and further. And, um, and the, you know, uh, I, I, I knew in my mind, like, okay, this is, this is not right. This is not how it should be. And fortunately I was able to, uh, thanks to Shotzi, I was able to pull my, my brain out of that. But like the next day, I forced myself to call my mom and moms are moms. And, you know, she heard my voice and she was like, Kevin, what's wrong? She knew. And, yeah. And, and, and I, it's like in the back of my mind that I knew that she would ask, or maybe I was just hoping that she would ask how yeah. I was doing. And cause I mean, that one question, right. To, to somebody who's really suffering that one question like from somebody who genuinely gives a shit, like, should be all it takes to like crack you. Mm-hmm. And like, I fucking broke down immediately. And yeah. it was just like, you know, like a sobbing baby, you know what I mean? To my mom. You need and, it though, man. Huh? Yeah, no, for sure, dude. Cause that was probably one of the lowest points of my life, man. And, and, uh, and, uh, I'm glad I made that call. <clears throat> and, uh, but yeah, so that's a whole thing, man. But yeah, yeah. I like that. And, and I really, if okay. you think, if I, if, if I can analyze, your behavior for a minute. So the first time it happened, you called somebody and they fucking shut the door in your face. That behavior was punished. So you didn't reach out. Yeah. That's what punishment is. It makes that behavior less likely. And when you come into contact, I've come into contact with that kind of punishment in terms of like, I bring it back to like my dating life, expressing an emotion 
and ha- expressing a feeling of like, mm-hmm. this is where my feelings are heading. Um, I've had that punished. So I am not quick to do that anymore. Um, right. And it sucks that I carry that learning history to other relationships that I, that I get into, but that's my history. I've had my behavior of expressing, Hey, I kind of like you a lot. I've had that shut down real quick. Wow. So, the rejection yeah. of relationship stuff, man. I, oh boy. Yeah. I've been there. Got the t-shirt. <laughs> Got a whole ass t-shirt for yeah. it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Look at me. Uh, yeah. a shitty relationship and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. The key uh, is like I, to get out of that fucking shit though because there's so many there's no reason to stick around in that kind of stuff and maybe sometimes yeah. getting that rejection from somebody is probably the best because that person's probably a piece of shit and you don't need their validation. Sure. Yeah, yeah it, and it's taken me some work to get to that point that it's like it's not me I'm, at this point maybe it's me but because <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm constantly you, analyzing everybody's behavior uh, when you get to 40 and you're so where I am it's it's you <laughs> it's it's times uh, no. it's society Thing, times are different man it's not the same as they what they were oh fuck that's totally true yeah just a, a couple years ago your your relationships nowadays start off on tinder swipes or whatever the hell that shit is i mean things listen yeah. mr yes. i've been married for 14 years no i'm saying though like things are different me, yes. and, me and my wife but, met me and my wife met in a totally different way than someone nowadays will probably meet because technology is different that's yeah, a big well, factor i don't like leaving the too. house so uh, oh, we don't like to leave either that's why we're perfect for each other you want to um, go out? Hell but no. I mean, it, even thinking about shitty relationships, there's a learning history and there's patterns of reinforcement and behavior that are at play there too. So, you know, someone who's in a shitty relationship, it's not necessarily as easy as saying like, oh, just leave. Because there's a long history of reinforcement and mm-hmm. there, there are different patterns of reinforcement. So let's say I'm teaching my dog a new trick. I'm going to give him a treat every time he does what I ask him to do because I want him to know that that's exactly what I want him to do. As he's demonstrated that he's learned this behavior, I'm going to back off on the treats and give him one every now and again. Um, And that's that intermittent pattern. Um, And that's kind of like gambling. So you go to the slot machine and you put in your quarter and sometimes you get a jackpot. Sometimes you get a couple coins. You never know when it's coming and you never know how much it's going to be. So in, in the, in a situation where it's like a, a bad relationship, there's still that intermittent reinforcement. There's still that good thing that keeps, that keeps your behavior of staying in the relationship. Um, because you don't know when it's coming. Everything else could be shit, but there's this pattern and it's unpredictable as fuck. You don't know how much it's going to be. You don't know how good it's going to be. And you don't know when it's coming. So you're like, well, you know, I'm going to make these excuses because this person still does this thing. And I know that they're going to do this thing at some point. I'm just going to stick around and wait for it to happen. Yeah. So that pattern, um, one of the thing, one of the terms that we use is extinction, which, okay, extinction means Dunzo, right? Yeah. Um, If we put a behavior on extinction, we want that behavior to not happen again. If you have a pattern of intermittent reinforcement, it's not going to be extinguished anytime soon. So, and that kind of makes me think. So, like, so so Tyree, like, when you when you were in law enforcement, at one point in time, didn't you you worked in like domestic abuse and violence, right? Word. And. So did you, cause this, cause this kind of makes me think of like how many of, I mean, I know you can't talk, like talk about like specific cases, but like how many of those cases were like the same people? And I know you worked in a big area, lots oh, of people, man. but like, Oof. so in my enormous area of West LA where I worked full of millionaires and billionaires, I've seen certain couples, I don't know, more times than I can count because yeah. this is what they do. I, as soon as I see, hear the address, I already know what the problem is. I can give yeah. you specifics because I don't work for those suckers no more. So here we go. <laughs> um, there was a, a family. He was a he's from India, Indian. Uh, him yeah. and his wife and their kids. Uh, this guy had to have been easily six eight, enormous, big old dude, big strong, scary looking guy. And his wife was no more than maybe like five three, 
maybe. Damn. So he's this big, honking, crazy, strong-looking guy. He's a doctor. She's a, I believe she's a doctor of some sort. So they got money. And every Saturday night, I'm getting that call. We go over to their house. He's down in the basement crying because she did something. And that was not where I expected that to go. Oh, no, no. This, not at all. For this particular couple, it's always the female who's the aggressor. She's always the one. It never gets to the point that I have to arrest her. But it's it's just they get along. They don't get along at all. And my police car turns into rolling Dr. Phil. And I have to try to help these oh people God. figure out their problems Dr. when I got my own problems. But, um, yeah, there's people who I've seen multiple times and. It's just like, hey, Jim, what's going on, man? Same old, same old. All right, here we go. And yeah. and, and I want to be like cold to them, but I mean, I got shit to deal with, man. There's you are you are a priority, but you're a low priority because I've been here a million times and and, right. and I it's can't, not changing and it's not changing. Yeah. yeah. And I'm never going to be like, oh, you guys need to fucking divorce this shit right now. Right. I would never say <laughs> you that. Know, it, it's not. It, <clears throat> that's not my place to, to tell somebody. Yeah. Um, and you know, Kevin and I were both surprised like, Oh, it's the, the woman that's the aggressor. And I, I wish that like, you know, there was this understanding that like women can be abusers as well. Oh yeah. Um, you know, it, it's not, it just goes largely unreported because like, Mm -hmm. you know, as in, as men in society, like we're not, we're not supposed to, be weak like that, right? That's a sign of yeah. weakness. That's a sign of being a bitch or whatever. And that's just not the fucking case, man. Like, no, there's a societal like, rule that you can't talk about getting beat up because, yeah, how dare you get beat up by a girl? What? Right. Well, and so there's this like, yeah, this like, idea that like, okay, well, externally you're a male, and externally she's a female on a chromosome level, blah blah blah, whatever. But like, other than that, like, we're the exact fucking same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, like we all respond to fucking things essentially in in some way, shape, or form. But we're the exact same, right? Like our brains function the same goddamn way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and that's a that's a big that's a big thing in the military too, because they talk about like um, uh, sexual violence and assault and harassment and things of that nature and uh, EO stuff and all of that stuff. And most of these sharp cases, so sexual assault or sexual harassment, assault, and uh, response prevention, response and prevention. Um, <clears throat> Most of those cases are filed by females and rarely do males ever file a case um, against another male or another female because that's weak. And, you know, it's the military and I'm this big, Mm -hmm. strong alpha male, blah, blah, blah. And uh, and I think that's a big stigma that needs to be completely erased, um, both in the military and in the normal world, for sure. Yeah. And that's why I that's why I'm I'm like, I'm like shilling an MLM when I'm talking to people about ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy, because I think everybody can use it because those thoughts of like, oh, well, it's not masculine for me to talk about getting beat up by a girl or, you know, it's not masculine of me to talk about my, my feelings. Like, what do you value more? Your masculinity or your mental health? Yeah. Right. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a, that's a big thing. Um, Hey, so we got about 20 minutes or so. Um, so, uh, but I do have a question as far as like, um, what you do. And so we've kind of talked a little bit about like how how it works with children, um, and, and their families. And then obviously like in these other, you know, cases or whatever, but like our, 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 uh, our audience is, is largely, um, military or veteran, yeah. And um, so how does um, how does a, a behavioral analyst help somebody who is dealing or struggling with something like PTSD? Like, is that is that something that can be uh, managed or at least watched over or assessed? From that Sure. I mean, currently, it's not something that I do. That's not yeah. in my scope of practice. Um, but and I think you and I talked about this a little bit. Um, one of the things that I want to look towards doing is sure. I'm not a licensed marriage and family counselor, but I do want to start, you know, opening up to being some sort of coach for people to develop the skills of acceptance and commitment. It would, 
because I'm not a therapist, it would be acceptance and commitment training, but use these skills in their life because everybody can, you don't have to be like right now, my clientele is autistic children and their families, but you don't have to have any kind of diagnosis for these things to help you live a meaningful and valuable life to practice these things. And that's what I want to share with other people. So, you know, for someone who is struggling with PTSD, for someone who is struggling with whatever the big emotional, stressful thing that you are dealing with is, there are ways that acceptance and commitment therapy and training can help you through that. And it all starts with recognizing your values. Um, and then how are we going to behave? So that's my goal is to eventually be, you know, helping coach people, not necessarily in my field, but maybe um, I would love to teach other people in my field to do what I do and to implement it into their practices and into their own lives. But beyond just my field, um, helping other people incorporate it into their lives because it's so powerful and so helpful. And these are skills that I didn't have as a kid. I didn't have skills of self-advocacy, not really, not until this last several months when I've really gone 150% into learning about this. Um, you know, and I struggled a lot with anxiety as a kid. Um, part of that I think was undiagnosed ADHD and I'm like this perfectionist and trying to, you know, meet these societal expectations of being the good girl and the quiet one, the joy to have in class and getting my shit done on time. And then had a major fucking mental breakdown at the end of last year. And uh, this is how it's helped me. Sure. It helps in my practice, but on a much more important level, it helps me on in my daily life. Right. And I like that you put it that way, like on a much more important level, level, it helps me in my daily life because to me that says like, yes, I like helping other people figure out mm -hmm. their problems and all that stuff. But like the number one priority in my life is me. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, and I feel like it kind of reminds me of like, oh, was Ayn Rand's philosophy, like, uh, the, like the virtue of selfishness, right? The, the, the virtue of being about oneself to, to, to look, to look out for yourself. Yeah. Right. Like we're, we're, especially if you have that like selfless service mentality or I need to help the civil servant mentality, like we oftentimes will set aside our own, um, yes. everything right yeah. for the sake of somebody else or somebody else's. And, and then who is taking care of us? Like, right. I, I, I the, I think the, the most famous example of that would be in my opinion, Robin Williams. Great fucking guy, hilarious, loved making people laugh, mm -hmm. right? But like, who was looking out for him, right? You uh, know you what? Know, I, I think in him. some cases, people probably did try to look out for him, but people can hide it pretty well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and, and, and that's, again, that's a thing, too. So, like, I mean, uh, you know, a friend of mine, she, she, she in Georgia, she was telling me about a, a recent, so she was a funeral director. And one of the things she was talking about was like a, a recent suicide that she had to tend to. And the family wanted to cover it up because they didn't want to accept the fact that that's how it happened. And the, the, the note had something to say, like to the effect of like, you know, this was not an accident and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and she was just like heartbroken over the whole thing because like yeah. these parents are in absolute denial over all of this stuff and not accepting that this could happen to me. This happened to my, my child. And cause what you often see time, like when, when somebody does commit suicide, or whatever, it's like the people that are living, they're like, fuck, I should have seen the signs, yeah. you know, or, or, or fuck that. I, I, I guess that was the sign and I ignored it, you know, or, or, yeah. or, you know, I didn't see anything at all. And that's oftentimes the case because I feel like if you really are hell bent on that, um, on that idea, on following through with that particular mission, you can hide it. Oh yeah. You know? So yeah, it's a thing. and that that's what I did. That's what I did in my old job. I was like, I've got this. My my face every day showing up to work. I got this. No big yeah. deal. Yeah, I'm missing eighty seven deadlines. I'm fine. Everything's <laughs> fine. Yeah. Um, and like I that's, said, when you that's the meme you're talking about. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. When you repress that shit, it comes back with a fucking vengeance. And I ended up on the floor of my boss's office just sobbing because I ignored it and I avoided it and I didn't want to accept it. 
You got to set aside the ego and start looking at taking care of yourself. Yes, because you're right. And Tyree, you asked, like, how do you decompress from all of that? If I don't do these things on a daily basis, if I don't set the boundary, like I've been working on setting work life boundaries. um, And that's a new process for me because I am I do want to be that helper. I do want to be, you know, someone that people can rely on. But if I don't show up for me first, I cannot show up for my people. I can't show up for my therapists that are in the field. I can't show up for my clients and I can't show up for the parents that I work with. I got to take care of this first, this being me. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, So what was it? Acceptance and commitment therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, good practice, right? Like self-advocacy, look out for yourself. And I know, I know your audience is, is very different than my audience would be. Um, so, you know, I hope that anybody who's listening, who is struggling with, with this kind of internal conflict of like, I have these big emotions, I have these big feelings that I'm, I don't want to accept, or I don't want to acknowledge or let anybody else know that I'm dealing with these things. Um, I would encourage you to look into acceptance and commitment therapy as a modality of therapy. There are so many, there's CBT there. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of other like clinical therapeutic approaches. Um, acceptance and commitment therapy is, is behavioral and it involves like the internal behavior, that internal monologue. Um, I started without even a therapist, I just started reading books on my own. Um, you told and, me about a book last night. You told me about a book last yeah. night. Yeah. So there's the, the book I started with was called act made simple. Um, and that's more for like the, the clinical therapist. Cause it goes through a lot of scripts of like how we're going to conduct a session one-on-one with a, a client. Um, but for me, I was like, it's me. I'm the client and the therapist. So these are conversations yeah. going to have with me. Um, there's a book called get out of your head and into your life by Stephen Hayes. Um, he's kind of the one who conceptualized this whole practice. It's a, a self-help workbook. Um, there's the happiness trap by Russ Harris. Um, there, there are a lot of self-help acceptance and commitment therapy books. The, the, get out of your mind and into your life is really helpful. I'm working through that one myself just so I can learn more. Um, I have an act daily journal and it goes through each of the processes. It's like an eight week journal. There's an intro week and then each of these core processes. And then we put it all together. Um, and you sit down and you, I make that part of my morning. Um, and you know, it, it starts with you. If you don't want to go see a therapist, if you don't want to reach out to me and say, Hey, where can I learn more about this and want me to talk to you about it? Um, there are books that you can read. There are are ways that you can start helping yourself. Ideally, like, you know, I want people to know that like one pain is going to happen, but you don't have to suffer. You don't. Wow. That's what we needed to hear. Our folks in the, uh, in the military field that are listening to us, man, you don't have to suffer alone. You Mm-mm. can, uh, you can seek a little bit of help. Hey, Rachel, yeah. thank you so much for coming on. I know, uh, I wish we can go so much longer. Please plug your, uh, show one more time for us. Yes, it is behavior and bullshit. Um, and we do talk about acceptance and commitment therapy and training. Uh, but we also talk last week we talked about only fans. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and you're on what Spotify and we're on uh, Spotify. We're on Apple podcasts. Um, and we're on anchor. Um, but generally people are on Spotify or Apple. Yeah. Um, we're on Instagram at behavior and BS. Um, and from there you can find me. If you want to reach out to me, my DMS are relatively open. Um, no dick pics <sighs> or do you, or do you want those? No. Okay. No, no thank you. Not on Wednesdays. Right. Not on Not Wednesdays. A, maybe like, maybe like Friday after five thirty. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like a like a rating, but like it'll cost. Yeah, it'll cost. Yeah. Um. yeah. 
And then I'm going to give you three three out of five stars every time. Every time. Well, that's a little, that's a lot. That's just enough to boost you. You go to be like, see, that's like, that's that rewarding that you're talking about. Like, oh, three out of five, that ain't bad. Yeah. And I guess that's the, the compassionate one in me. I always want to be like, <laughs> I want to make people feel good. Right. Like, even if it's not the best, I just want them to feel good. <laughs> Two stars is still good. It's like, at least I got more than one. <laughs> I'm so glad that we were able to bring it back to dicks. Yeah. Well, I mean, you said like your show, like you, you tend to sometimes like uh, veer off into dicks. Um, so I didn't, it, didn't, it didn't feel right for us to not do that. It's pretty rare yeah. that we, we swerve into the dicks over here. So the yeah. fact that we, we hit the dicks head on yeah. in the end, I'm pretty happy about yeah. that. Yeah. Head on in the end. <laughs> Apply directly to the forehead. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would say we, 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 t- we hit the dicks uh, right in the rear. Uh, took them, hey. took them right, right there in the back, right there. Hey, back end. This is so fun. <laughs> right I on. mean, we did. Talk, we talked about dicks and titties on our OnlyFans episode. So, hey, guys, if, if you, you want, really want to try to get down with some, some of that, yeah, dicks and titties. We I are. Mean, it's a equal it's a, opportunity. It's a combo. Yeah. Genitalia talkers. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna shut this down. I'm gonna shut yeah. you guys out. <laughs> Hey, thank you for listening to Before I Forget. Please like, listen, share, and subscribe. Thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on our show. Thank you, Kevin, for coming and uh, being back here again. It's been a minute. Uh, pretty happy that things are uh, coming back together. So thanks, folks. Yeah, I agree. And uh, that's all I got. What do you got? That's it. Uh, I was just going to say, yeah, th- uh, Rachel, thanks a ton. Um, everybody, please check out their podcast, Behavior and BS, or Behavior and Bullshit, and, uh, and their um, uh, Instagram page, too, and their website that's going to be coming up soon. Yeah. And check out Rachel's OnlyFans. And link, link in the bio. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs> See y'all.